Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we are doing another Pastor's Perspective. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, Brian. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Good. 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 Welcoming all of our listeners today. We uh, had a couple episodes we put out. Uh, you saw that everyone saw them, you know, weekly. We recorded them in a, in a block and then we're doing mm-hmm. that again today. Yeah. So I'm excited about this pastor's perspective. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I think, uh, you know, we heard some good feedback. Uh, we were hoping to be able to do more pastor's perspectives. It gives us a little bit more options, talk about more topics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so today we're going to deal with some pretty, pretty. I think, in, uh, I don't want to say intense, but definitely applicable to our current situation. Yeah. Um, before, so, before we jump into that, okay. uh, I do want to let everyone know we are getting ready to start a series. Mm-hmm. So yes. we are going to do two episodes. You know, we, we've enjoyed kind of breaking from our series. Yeah. We had a really long series over the summer on uh, biblical manhood. Right. Now we're going to enter a series in two weeks uh, on, well, two or one week, whatever, yeah. be the beginning of October, however it falls. And we are going to do the nature of the word. Yeah. So are you pretty excited? Oh about this yeah, series? absolutely. Cause you know, we talk about the Bible all the time and I hope our listeners know that like we, we you know, we've always said the most important thing for believers is being in the word. Right. So like, what is the word and, and what's the point, you know, what is it doing? What all these things. And so I think we're going to do uh, a six part series in that, but it'll be broken up into kind of two week sections. We've got some other things we want to do another pastor's perspective. I, we'll do. I truly, uh, believe that the theology when it comes to the nature of the word is the most important theological issue because yeah. if that is not solid yeah. and does not stand no other theological tenet will right. be able to stand right because I people ask me all the time about different topics and stuff and I and my first question to them is like well what do you believe about the Bible because right. all I'm gonna do is tell you what God has told us and if you don't agree with the Bible, then there's no, like, I can't help you. You know what I mean? So it's really important, especially parents for you to teach your children what the Bible is and, and how God uses it in our life. It's vital to their spiritual walk. So So we're excited about that. That's coming soon. But for today, we've got three topics. We're going to talk about the employment crisis that we have in the U S we're going to ask the question, where have all the church people gone? Yep. And then finally, we're going to talk about Kids and streaming content, specifically focusing in on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about our first our first topic, Brian. Yeah. So employment crisis and work ethic. I I think most of our listeners will recognize this and be able to say, yeah, places are closing, businesses are out of business. There, there's a big problem here. People are having a really hard time yeah. getting work. When I was on vacation recently, we went to a restaurant and walked in and there was, you know, just a few handful of people sitting at seats, maybe, yeah. maybe 20 or so. And I was like, Oh great. It's not very packed. Yeah. I walk up and the hostess says, yeah, it's about 45 yeah. minutes. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, Oh, well, we're going to go somewhere else. But I had a friend tell me that he went to a restaurant and there was one server serving the entire yeah. restaurant. So this does seem to be, this employment crisis does seem to be 
targeted at certain industries. Not every mm-hmm. industry is feeling, feeling this, this way. That's right. But when we talk about like um, hospitality industries are definitely yeah. feeling it. Childcare yeah. uh, industries feeling yeah. it. Um, lots of lots of the the you know those kind of jobs in those areas are, are really hurting right now. And I know there are people in our churches that have businesses that are hurting. And so it's just a, it's a really tough time. How do we react to that? Yeah. I think first what we need to do is, is ask kind of like why this is happening. Cause yeah. I think there are, there are, it's not as simple as we might think. And we need to be careful not to just jump to conclusions. Right. So we need to ask, why is it happening? And then we need to ask like, how can we, how can we help um, prevent this? And, or, or like, you know, really, you know, how do we help our children think through, you know, the way that they should be uh, thinking about work, especially if you have right. teenagers and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think some of it is people feel like they're not uh, getting paid enough or they're getting assistance. Yeah. They're getting assistance through other means, the government and things like that. And so that assistance is either comparable or uh, maybe even some cases more than what they could make in a, in a lower paying yeah. job. Yeah, that's true. And so you've got, you've got several different factors going on here. Like you said, that people maybe aren't able to make as much. And so they're able to, to make more through assistance, things like that. I also read uh, that, um, you know, COVID fears are still playing into this. People are not wanting to be, you know, a lot of these jobs are, are around people, right? You know, the jobs that are focused where you're, you're interacting with people all day yeah. or, or you're, you're around a group of people a lot. I think those are the ones that are really suffering because people, there's still that fear. Yeah. There's a lot of fear. And you know, the way I kind of think about it is there are, there are basically like, um, I kind of think about it as like le- legitimate, like real legitimate reasons why this is happening. For instance, like there are some businesses that have to close, um, n- not necessarily because people are, are just, afraid but because half of their employment is sick you know so like they literally can't come to work so there that's a big problem but then then there's the other side where it's just like a hypersensitivity and i don't want to say that's like illegitimate but it but it is it's not something that is necessarily keeping you from work but it is but it is something that if you're not paying attention to you will you will push people past their their limits well and that's I, i read an article that said that especially in the healthcare field right now hospitals are suffering and some nurses are having to work 24 hour shifts. Exactly. That's exactly, you know, their work. Well, it's technically not a 24 hour shift. It's, it's, here's what it is. You work yeah. 16 hours, they give you an eight hour break to sleep and then you go back to right, work. Right. So it's, that's a, no yeah. kind of life. I mean, that's a, you that's can't crazy. sustain that for any long, for a period long of period time. of time. Well, and the, the workers, you know, like so one, people, one waiter serving an entire restaurant like that, that cannot last for long. And so people are saying it's not worth it for me to do that. Exactly. I also think Brian, I read, I read another article that talked about the changes in priorities. People yeah. are realizing they can, you know, time is uh short, you know, yeah. this, we've been, all been confronted with our mortality through this. Right. Right. So what are our priorities? Family, yeah. You know, spending times with things that you enjoy to kind of for your for your health and mm-hmm. well-being. Yeah. And so I think some people are saying, man, I want to get out of the rat race yeah. because I want to be able to do things that really matter. Yep. You know, that really leave that lasting. Yeah, so impact. there there's really it's not all bad necessarily. Um, but but there are some negative things here and we just need to make sure we think about it all. Um, do you think that any of this has to do with 
um, people's work ethic? Yeah, I do see that a little bit. And, I, and I'll tell you one illustration, you know, at our um, food pantry, you mm-hmm. know, we run a food pantry ministry. We've normally, typically before the COVID crisis, we had a pretty steady number of clients that would come through. Um, and even after that, we 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 did a drive through initially yeah. food pantry, but before we knew all of the stuff we could right, do. Right. And we were pretty doing really well there as well. So towards the end of last year, beginning of this year, things started to really fall off as the assistance from the government. Right. And ever since we've seen this child tax credit come into play, um, we've not had a lot of people with families come to the food. So you, you can read that a couple of different ways. Right. Maybe people are, are not needing the food pantry, but you know, in my mind, I'm thinking the need is still out there. Yeah. People are accessing other resources and other means, whether they're getting compensated through mm-hmm. this child tax credit and, you know, COVID yeah. relief or unemployment, you know, whatever. Right. They don't need the assistance from us. Well, and you know, that's the thing that comes down to like, some of the some of the issues with that, the reason why we as pastors would be bothered by that is because you think of like one of the one of the seven letters written to the churches in the book of Revelation. One of the issues was that they were rich and they had come to the point where they did not need God. Right. They didn't feel like they needed God. And obviously it all comes from the Lord, but when you don't recognize that, and so when when you're just when you are, when your need is being met, and this is for people who are, you know, I'm talking about people who are working high paying jobs and people who are, um, you know, in the hardest situations of life, but they're, but they're receiving assistance. Mm-hmm. It's easy to think that you don't need the Lord. And with our food pantry, we always have a spiritual emphasis there. There's always conversations and, and we're trying to point people back to, Hey, we're here to help your physical need, but that's because God is the one who's here to take care of all of your needs, spiritual and physical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're kind of missing out on that. I think the church has to do a really, uh, I think the church has to put out there that there is a theology, a theology of work. Yeah. And I think that we miss that a lot of times, you know, we're, we're so focused on, um, you know, and once again, this goes back to biblical balance, you know, we need to have good family time. We need to have good rest. We need to have good rhythms, but, Part of that is also God. God wants us to work if yes. if we're able. Yes, and I yes, do want to yes. put that caveat in Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Um, but if we're able, our work honors God. Right. You know, and it's it's not so much about pay as it is about bringing glory and honor to the Lord with your work. Yeah. With with your abilities, using your giftedness, I've, using your using all the things that God has given. I've you. actually heard some some. Uh, theologians and professors and different people write articles and talk about the fact that, you know, we have this idea that I go to, to work in order to, um, pay for the life that I want. Yes. And, and really the, the idea is our, our work should be a part of our bringing glory to God, not just like the means to an end. It, right. it should be a part of, and, uh, and that's helped me a lot. And, and in a fallen world, it's not perfect, but in the new heavens and new earth, we'll, we'll be working. Yes. Work and, was and established. All of our work will be a part of our life. Part it, of the theology is work. Work was established before the fall. Exactly. Now it was, it was not late, you know, cause part of the curse 
is is, is hard the, is the labor. Hardness. It's like work always fights <clears throat> you back, you right. know. And that's the hard I thing. I say it like this: Adam and Eve still had to go out and collect the food right. in the Garden of Eden. That's work. They yeah. had to go out, and the food didn't well, just the food just didn't appear, right? But it was easy. It was abundant. It was everywhere. Here's the thing, though. When when the curse happened, when the fall happened, yes. then they had to go actually plant the seeds, grow the crops. I mean, it was it wasn't the abundance was that bond. they had had. I, the way I think about it is, you know, work can bring great joy. I mean, anyone who works a job um, and you have that that final, you know, you 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 do a project or you get something done and you get to look at it and say, "There's a joy that comes from that." Well, that is that is what. God designed, right. and it's all the negative things, all the fighting back, the just constant, you know, you just got to wrestle whatever into submission. That is from the fall. Right. And and so in the new heavens and new earth, all that will be gone, but we will still work. We will right. still find joy and, in And that. these are the things that we need to uh, teach our children. That's right. You know, these are the things early on we need to encourage them. You know, my kids have chores and tasks and things that they need yeah. to do. And, um, we actually don't do, uh, I know some parents do the allowance thing and that's very successful. I'm not saying anything right, against right. that. We, we don't do that, uh, because we just say, listen, you're part of this family. Yeah. Everyone contributes to this family. Right. And you know, you, you might have to do the dishes or you might have to take out the trash or, you know, we train them very early on to do their own laundry, you know? Yeah. And fold their laundry and well, put that's it just away. Gonna help later on in life. I mean, right. Good night. So, and so that's all a part of like building that work ethic yes. in, in them and trying to get them to see I'm not working necessarily. I'm not, I'm not building a work ethic just to get money. Right. I'm building a work ethic because there's joy in work. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and another thing too is to help our children not disparage the low paying jobs. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. cause, cause that's, you know, I, <laughs> all the different jobs that I've worked, um, they were not super high paying, but there was a great value mm-hmm. in them. And, uh, well, everything contributes to the society in yes. society in that way. Yeah, yeah. It all matters. It all matters. That's like, you know, that's like disparaging. It's, you know, like the, the, the parts of the body, uh, yeah. in the church, you know, the, the parts that maybe you don't see as being super significant, you're not going to just cut them off. And, uh, and I think we often look at work in our society. So, so let's wrap this up with a couple application things. You know, I think it's really important for the Christian, especially when you go to a place, uh, of a, a, a place that is struggling with employment right now, right. Be very graceful, yes. be very patient, very loving. Yep. If you have the opportunity and the ability to tip extra, That's what I, yeah, do exactly that. What I was going to say, uh, but, but I'm telling you the worst thing we can do as Christians is ruin our testimony by being frustrated and angry about a situation right. like that. Well, I'll, I'll give a per- I'll, I'll quickly perfect example. I went out to eat. I won't name the place. <laughs> And it was, it was closed inside. And I was, I was really frustrated because I was like this, the, no other business, you know, there's no other businesses really that are closed inside. Like, why are you doing this? You know, blah, blah, blah. That was my personal opinion. And then somebody made the point, well, maybe, maybe they just Still can't get the workers. workers. And, and that was when I was like, oh, you know, I need to be more graceful. Right. I didn't even think about that. And so we need to be remembering that it, it might not be because they, don't want to serve you. It's right. because they can't maybe. Well, and that, and that doesn't mean those businesses don't need our patronage because that's true. Especially if you, if you have a personal connection to a business in our community, yeah. let's try to patronize them because yeah. we, they need our support in this season yeah. right now. 
And then, you know, finally, I would just encourage families to think about work in a, in, in a, in a way that you're using it to honor the Lord right. and build that into your children. Don't yeah. make work a, a joyless, like yeah. only about, about the money. money. Yeah. Don't do that. So, okay, well, let's move on to our next topic here. We are going to get into, and I do think this connects a little bit, the idea that, um, the church people are kind of gone. Is that, is that right? Yeah. So I was reading, this is an article that just came out this month in Newsweek, and I'm going to read this. It's a little bit long, but I think it's important. It says religious observance in America dropped to historic lows. This past March Gallup reported that U S church attendance had for the first time fallen below the majority of the population. It is now 47%. Worst hit have been the Roman Catholics who in 2007 were 24% of the population as of 2020, they're ranked as 20.8%, according to Pew Research Center. That is, they sank from being one quarter of all Americans to being one fifth. Evangelicals held on at 25.4% of the population, but the percentage of nuns, those are people without religious affiliation, has climbed from 19.6% to a historic high of 22.8%. So, so there are more people in America that that affiliate themselves with having no religious affiliation. There are more of those people than there are Roman Catholics. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is and almost, almost as many as evangelicals. Now, yeah. when we say evangelicals, that is a large swath of the denominations. Yeah. yeah. That's not like just Baptist or right. just, you know, whatever that's like, you know, I think every huge. church, you know, we we've talked to many pastors, everyone's attendance is down. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Everyone, it's everyone's attendance has been hit by COVID. Now, some of it is there are people that, that are elderly or they um, have like a an illness right, and they right. can't, they can't be around other people right. with COVID or, but, or, or the potential to get infected with right. COVID. autoimmune, so, you know, problems. Yes. Right. And so that's going to be a percentage of that group. Right. There's also just a group of people that have gotten out of the habit yeah. Right. That's Would you exactly agree with right. that? Yeah, I think that's uh, absolutely correct. And you were even mentioning this uh, article that uh, that you looked at that talks about the idea of getting back into a habit and how long it might take to get back. Yeah, what, what, there but, was a lady. Yeah, there was a lady who did an op-ed piece that she hadn't gone to church in about a year, and she was talking to her pastor. And she made the point that it takes 21 days to change a habit. Right. And so she she hypothesized it may take me 21, 21 Sundays yeah. to get back in the habit of church. Now, obviously, that's not that's not true. But she's using that as like a little bit of an exaggeration to say, "Hey, church, be patient with me." Yes. And and so I hear that as a pastor, right? And I want to acknowledge that for the the church members or attendees and say, I I will be patient. Yes. And we do need to be patient with people, but we also need to encourage. Right. And we have to, we have to, um, it's, and that's the hard thing, you know, patience and encouragement. Patience does not simply mean, you know, sit pat and do nothing. Um, I think patience for people to, to come back and, and, and to continue to gather together, which is desirable and pleasing to the Lord. So, like, we have to encourage these things. And and especially we see how much more we have to do that now because of how many people are dropped off. And I will say, so for those who, who again, like you said, are the senior adults or autoimmune uh, issues like that, they are still connected. Like, so what I mean is, you know, pastors and deacons are... are 
I hope in every church, I know in our church, we've been trying, trying really hard to be reaching out to those people. And there's always reciprocation. There's always a connection there and always a, man, I miss my church. I mean, we heard a story of a, mm-hmm. of a lady who is just in tears because of how much she misses her church and just can't be here for different reasons. So there is a connection there. But then, like you're saying, there are the other people when you reach out to them, it's like, oh, I just, I just haven't been back. And, and I'm not trying to be mean, but but they're really people don't even have excuses, mm-hmm. you know, much less reasons um, for why they're not coming back to church. Well, I think they just gotten out of the habit of it, and so I think we need to encourage people to get back in the habit of it. You mm-hmm. know, we need to know, and this the sad reality, and this is kind of a gut check for pastors is if they can leave church for over a year and not miss it, then there's yeah. something that that we you know we did not make. A, a strong connection with them in the first place. Do you know what I'm saying? That, now, that's now I'm not point. laying it all on our feet, but as leaders, right. we've always got to turn it back around and look and, and say, look at how, how can, can we, we improve? That, I agree. Mm-hmm. Once again, they have to make their own decisions. They have to, they have to, do what yes. they're going to do. Yeah, there's there's mutual responsibility there. But I mean, that's but our, like... But our job is caring and shepherding for the body. And right. so we've always got to say, how can I do that better? How can I, how can I connect with people? What, you know, what's, what's it going to take for me to encourage them in their discipleship journey? Well, I think that's what you said is, I think an assumption that we have that all pastors are thinking, you know, like we need to be reaching out to people, even if we're assuming that they're just, you know, have no reason or whatever. Cause you know, we've, we've talked to people and there's, you know, like, Oh, I just not in the habit. But then there's other people that you talk to and they, and they tell you some stuff that you're like, wow, that's really hard. And, and we need to be praying for you. And, and then we need to set up food chains. You know, we need to do these things. And, uh, and so we can't just assume people are gone. We have to find out mm-hmm. if they're actually, if they're, if they're gone, gone, or if they're just, needing some encouragement yeah. to come back. Yeah, I read an interesting article from Baptist News that said uh, the church is realizing uh, something here that people are not coming back. Yeah. That, and it says, it's kind of got a breakdown of, it says the super volunteers who used to carry 20 positions in the church are now looking to do just a few things. Mm-hmm. And Brian, that's not a bad thing. You know, yeah. for the long time, the church leaned on too few people to do too much. And right. so that actually isn't a bad thing. Uh, but here's the thing. Our regular attenders are becoming semi-regular. semi-regular. So, you know, I don't remember, but I think this is an old stat now, but uh, I believe it was Lifeway Research found that if people come... I think it was yeah. like two Sundays yeah, a month. Two Sundays a month. They, they feel they, they call felt, themselves a regular right. church attendant. Yeah. So if you're regular in that sense, then what does semi regular mean? Well, like I think then that would mean month? yeah, once a month or <laughs> yeah. or a couple times every other month. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, and then it says our fringe folks are fading away, and people are not coming back to church. Uh, the same level of engagement. And they ask the question: So what do we do? Yeah. What do we do? I I think that this comes about you know there's a there's a great book called um, uh, the Reformed Pastor mm-hmm. and uh, by I think is it Andrew Murray I believe um, and it's not about Reformed theology it's about being a pastor who is always um, seeking to be reformed into the image of Christ mm-hmm. and do what pastors are supposed to do mm-hmm. and in that book he <laughs> it's an old you know it's an older book um, written I think in the 1800s. But he really just kind of breaks it down and is like, "Hey, if you've got if you've got 
over 100 people in your church, then you need more pastors to help you shepherd. You need to know what's mm-hmm. going on in people's lives. You right. need to write letters to people. You need to be connected to people. And we've always said, and Pastor Allen here at our church has always said, uh, ministry happens in relationships. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to we've got to tighten up relationships because that's the thing that church is. It's it's about um, being in a relationship with God and being in a relationship with other people. And so if people are able to leave so easily, that's because there weren't that great of relationships. And so we've got to tighten those up or we got to seek to make new ones. Um, and so I think that's one big way. Yes, I 100% agree uh, with that. You know, one of the things I was challenged this week and from our from our message and from our discussion in our life group, you know, we, uh, we, we looked at the prophet Isaiah and mm. he was called to be faithful regardless. And many of the prophets were called to be faithful regardless of what the results, you know, if, if no one in Israel repented, if no one turned back to God, they still had to be faithful. Right. And so I think in this season, pastors, Christian leaders, uh, regular church members and attenders, you know, we are called to be faithful, even if we're not seeing a great harvest of, of, uh, believers, or even, even if discipleship is really hard in this season, you know, we we're called to be faithful no matter what. And, you know, we can't measure our success should not be measured anyway by our attendance. I think it's a good metric for us to kind of see where people are at. We can't live and die by the weekly attendance of the church. So I think we just have to be faithful. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah. That, that was a big deal for me when I was training for ministry and just, just reading the Bible and, and finding out what God expected from me, um, in being a Christian, much less a pastor and in just the idea of faithfulness, like God just wants us to do what He asks us to do. Yeah. You know, He doesn't He doesn't expect more from us. Like sometimes I think we expect more from ourselves than God does. Yeah. And I remember hearing sometimes like, why Why are you harder on yourself than God is? Mm-hmm. Like why and why uh, if if God can forgive your sin, then why can't you? You know, and well, it's so, like we don't take seriously the things that God takes seriously and the things that God doesn't so much care about. We take those things yeah, as exactly. premium seriously. And so for us, like if we're not packing out the house all the time or getting like a billion listeners all the time, we think that, oh, you know, we're failures. And, and you know, we do need to pay attention. Like you said, it is a good metric to know, to look at and make sure we're, we're communicating properly mm-hmm. um, and making sure that we are being faithful. But when we do look at that and recognize, okay, no, this is, we look at the Bible and let the Bible, you know, shape what we do. Right. Then then we just do it. Right. Yeah. So I think our encouragement to families especially would be uh, continue to try to build these habits into your, your family. Yes. Don't, you know, yeah, don't stop that. We've said this before, you know, your children need to know on, on Sundays, it's the Lord's day. Right. Something needs to be different about that. It's not just another Saturday. Yeah. You know what Sunday, I mean? Sunday's not any, Sunday is not like going to church is not right. like anything else in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be. So, so, I, so I think that if you're, if you've been out of church for a while, uh, there is no, there's like, there's no shame. You, you come right. back, we rejoice yeah. with you. And if you're, if anyone does make you feel shame or, or chastises you, then find a biblical believing church. That's, Cause yeah. mm-hmm. I will rejoice with every person that comes back in these doors, uh, because I get to see them, I get to fellowship them in person, even though I can communicate through 
social media, sure. whatever. It's just it's not the same. It's not the same. And so we've got to we've got to. That's my encouragement, yeah. I guess. I, I agree. Yeah, that's a great statement, Brian. And I do want to just reiterate that. Like, please know, like if you if you're like, oh man, they're like if you're listening, they're to talking this, about me. Yeah, yeah. No, first of all, we're not talking about anybody in particular, um, because we get it. You know, <laughs> part of the good, the thing for us is we're pastors. We're supposed to be here. You know what I mean? But um, so we get it. It's hard. Um, but just come back. We love yeah. you, and that's all that matters. So yep. just come back. Yeah, and we thank everyone that has uh, faithfully served. You know, yeah. you, you and I have many volunteers that we work with, uh, week in and week oh, out. Yeah, and it just—I'm uh, just—I'm overwhelmed many times. I can't think about it too much because I'll just get—I'll get, I'll get uh, emotional. Yeah, but I'm overwhelmed by the sacrifices that they make um, and the time that they give. It's just—it's just—it's uh, amazing. Yeah, I, I'm. So thankful for all of them, but uh, we got one more thing. One more we topic. Get to. Okay. So talking about the idea that kids are consuming videos and shows at an unparalleled rate. I mean, it's yeah, insane. The, the streaming culture has changed. You know, I was reflecting on this when we decided to do this topic, and I remember growing up. Now. I grew up in the age um, right on the cusp of like cable TV. Do you know right, what I'm saying? Right, right. You know, I'm an, I was born in 1980. And so um, we we had like the little wood, wood grain box. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Uh-huh. And you had the channel, the clicker. And so you could, you could hook in the cable box. But I remember growing up, we only really had... Um, we really only had kids programming on Saturday morning. Yeah. And then as yeah. I, as I got to Saturday be a little bit, cartoons. that's right. As I got to be a little bit older, they started to find that kids were watching TV when they got home from school. So mm-hmm. they started putting a block of TV on every afternoon from like, I don't know, three to four, three mm-hmm. to five, something like that. And they would have different, different shows on a couple of different channels. And so you could watch PBS or you could watch uh, ABC or whatever and see the different, the different shows. Then as I, I kind of, I kind of was on the very tail end of this cause I was getting into teenage years, but mm-hmm. they developed like, um, these channels, Nickelodeon, yeah. Disney. I mean, all <clears throat> these things. And it was 24 hours a day, wall to wall. It was just that kids programming. Right. That's and, basically what I grew up with. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm, I think you're like nine, 10 years older than me. And so we, I grew up with, those channels and and I was I think I can't I think I was like right at that change you know and and so like I grew up with I remember I was I was pretty young when like Spongebob first came out and I thought that was weird but but you know then it became a craze um but like the the channels were just normal and so you just expect there's these kids channels and then there's like other channels and so the channels started becoming more specified right and it's kind of like it was kind of like um when you didn't have anything to do or you were bored or your parents wanted to get something done. Right. Right. It's like you could go watch TV for yeah. an hour or whatever. Cause it was always on. Right. And exactly. so that, that kind of began this mindset where of always having it available, always having something available. Well, Cause you know, people by nature always want more. Do you, do right. you, I mean, we can see this not just in television or streaming, but it, we people by nature sort of have this like addictive personality yes. where where we experience something and we always and we want, want more. more. Yes. So yeah, because we're because we because we desire gl- glory. We want to mm-hmm. see glory, and so 
Like that is a part of our design. We're designed to want glory. The thing is that we're designed to find it in God. Right. Because God's glory is infinite. You will always get more. Right. And so we're designed for that. And so we do. We always want more and we always want particular things. So it became, so with TV, for for instance, movies, like you go to AMC or Turner Classic Movies, whatever. Well, you watch whatever movie's on. You yes. don't get to choose the movie. You watch whatever movie's on or you watch whatever TV show's on. And you have to wait until a certain time for a different movie. But but even then, you know, or a different day. And so that was all, you know, constrained and, right. and people wanted different. And so then it became, you know, you go to Blockbuster, you go rent movies and you can do this and do that and yada, yada. And then came the streaming. Yes, the streaming really uh, has taken over, you know, like in our, we don't have regular cable right. or whatever we have streaming apps and exactly. services but to be honest brian my kids would rather watch youtube than anything else yeah and so the, i mean uh-huh. i can i can get them to watch a movie or a show a cage like hey we're gonna have movie night whatever but if they're just gonna like turn something on they're gonna put youtube on i'll be honest with you i'm i'm becoming i'm more like that because content creators recognize that and are pushing content to YouTube. YouTube used to be just funny whatever videos, and it still vastly is that. But now there is huge content being created simply for YouTube. Right. Um, You know, shows The the kids programming is is insane on YouTube. Do you think there's any danger in that, or do you think it's all... I don't think it's all okay by any means. I don't think it's all bad, though. Like, I really don't. I think the problem is when you are able to, when you're able to all of the time, Mm -hmm. at any point in time, select whatever you want to watch. There's no limitation to you, okay? That is incredibly dangerous. There's no limitation to how much you can watch. Video after video after video. And what you can watch. Right. That, because. If you do not have self-control because of our need for more and more and more and more, you will. I, I talk to the kids about it. I call it the YouTube vortex where you just get sucked in. Yeah. And it's like you watched a five-minute video, but 13 hours later, you're watching, you know, well, there's <laughs> no one to tell things. Yeah, there's no one to tell you unless your parents. There's no one to tell you that you're, it's time to go to bed or it's time to turn right. it off. You know, it's funny. My grandfather would tell me like, at a certain time at night after the news or whatever, the late night show, whatever the TV would like air that yeah. like those colors and like me yeah. you know, off air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Time to go to bed. Like I did not, I could not comprehend that. Right. That right. didn't make sense to me it's, that there was a time where you couldn't watch TV. Right. Yeah. And so now it's, it's crazy that these kids have all access. And so that just means that we as parents have to step up and really, uh, take serious our our role, you know, yeah. because he, he, let me tell you my experience and a little bit of the, a few of the dangers. Number one, um, you know, there's lots of great there's lots of great content of out there. The, the problem is they start to YouTube will uh-huh. start to create an algorithm. They start to try to get to know you for the purpose of advertising yes. to you, and right. that that it that can be a little bit dangerous. Makes me feel like. Um, I'm in that that Tom Cruise movie Minority Report where yeah. they're doing like specific ad, they're scanning your retina and they're giving mm-hmm. you specific advertising just for you, and so um, that can be a little bit kind of questioning. But even bigger than that, uh, <clears throat> when we think about you know our children are starting to see like for instance, let, let me give you an example here. You have these uh, 
people that are doing unboxing shows. Right. You know, they are sponsored by whatever people send them toys and all this kind of stuff. And my littlest son thinks that we can just go get everything. He wants, ah. he wants everything, you know, he oh, wants it all. Oh, wow. That's crazy. And so, so that's one problem. We've had to talk to him about that. Like, and no, then, it doesn't and work then the, like that. Yeah. And the other thing is he, um, has seen people doing like video games or, or they're doing VR or whatever. And he's like, Hey, I want to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I want to, cause he, his latest thing is he wants his own YouTube channel. So mm-hmm. we filmed a couple videos and threw them up on YouTube. Nothing, nothing crazy. Just cause he's, he's silly. You know, he's mm-hmm. a, he's a six year old silly kid. <laughs> so they did a couple stupid things. Some of our friends watched them. It's not a big deal, but um, he's like, well, I want to do a VR video game. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, we can't just go buy this whole VR setup, right? Green screen camera, like you don't understand what it takes. This is high production value. Yes. Yeah, they're making you think it, it, it that it's seems, a mom and pop operation, right. but it's a, there's a, there's a high production. It, there's value actually here. these like studios that are making YouTube videos, and it makes you think like I could be, I could do that, right? And it's like, yeah, if you had, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, and so that's a good point. I think what you're saying is it builds this almost like an unrealistic world yes. world for mm-hmm. our kids right. for us older uh, you know people who understand what's going on we get it you know you watch a dude perfect video and you recognize like they've got a huge production behind that um whereas our kids see that and and they think like they're just doing trick shots it's like right. no there's there's a gigantic thing happening there right huh that's a good point yeah i think i think there's so many dangers um behind this but really what it comes down to is um it, it can be a tool like like youtube and and all of these things uh can be tools for use like i use youtube for for watching sermons for watching mm-hmm. um really helpful biblical videos i, yeah. I do all sorts or like of things how to like i need to change my brake pads yes oh know, my goodness like i that. do that all the time but so, i think i think youtube can be a huge good medium for mm-hmm for good art, good Christian content, good non-Christian content. That's just good. Um, but the issue is with any tool, uh, like I don't just give my kid a hammer and say, here you go. Go at it. I think the problem is we assume that it's safe and we need to be careful assuming that we need to recognize our children don't have self-control Yeah, and just because they're young. Well, I think, and I think that if you give your kid a, a phone or a tablet or anything, you need to have parental controls engaged that will have like a time limit. Yeah, You know, you need to set times. Uh, some of them are very specific even to apps and say, right. you can use this app, right. You know, for this, this, amount of time. this, this amount of time, this time of the day, even, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You have to know what those are. You cannot just hand a kid a phone with no parental controls, no nothing, uh, because there's a double negative, sorry, but <laughs> you can't just, you can't just hand them their phone because they yeah. will, um, be totally locked in and engaged. And ultimately it, it's not just the addicting part of it, but they'll also see things that are not appropriate. Yeah. You know, we, we just recently uh, in the last few months installed the bark app. Yeah. You've told me about that. And I think it's a great app. I think parents should utilize it because it does help you track the content of, YouTube videos, um, web searches, you know, everything. So you don't see, you don't see everything, but if something comes up flagged, you know, right. Anything that's flagged, Mm -hmm. you set up parameters. And I think it's very helpful because I can see, Oh, my son watched Mm -hmm. a YouTube video about this or that, you know, and I can help 
kind of guide that and make sure that we're watching what's appropriate. Exactly. Cause that, that's the thing I think we're getting at is no, these things are not bad. Uh, like watching Saturday morning cartoons, obviously not bad watching YouTube videos, not bad. Um, it's, it's, are you doing it in self-control? Cause again, that's, you know, we've talked a lot about this with our, uh, digital invasion, um, yes. series. Yeah, and go back like and that. listen to that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's a fruit of the spirit. And so we need to be helping our children with that. We can't, this thing that drives me crazy about like modern parenting is modern parenting assumes children are as mature as adults. Right. That's like, that's insane. Well, um, a lot of times, like this is the whole point of this is the, the, the limits back in the day were, are, were set. Mm-hmm. Now the, the gate, there are no limits. the gate has been blown open. There right. are no limits. So parents yeah. have to set the limits. Right. Cause, cause that's, gr- that's really cool. Cause there's, there's so much there's so much that can be done for the good but we have to understand and this is the problem with the secular worldview it doesn't realize that the problem is in our very hearts right it's in our dna and so unless we have the gospel fixing our hearts right. and producing the fruit of the spirit uh then we will use these amazing tools for great evil that's right god, that's just true. god has never intended for uh us to have unlimited anything in this right. world do you right. know what i'm saying and so you know there's there's the thing even uh you can even uh get sick from drinking too much water yeah exactly. you know we say water is a good thing we need to drink water too much of it is bad that's exactly right you know and so I think that everything in this world, everything in life needs to be done in a, and, and this is what I think the, the Holy Spirit drives us to is self-control. That's mm-hmm. one of the fruits of the Spirit That's right. is discipline and self-control. Our kids will not naturally be drawn to that. Right. We right. have to teach you them You grow that. up into that. Even as, as adult believers, we still are growing into that. Right. Oh, you know, I, I am. <laughs> you know, I think it's good every so often uh, people take, you know, and this was encouraged in our digital um, invasion series to take a... Uh, to take a fast from media yeah. for a day or even a, even a morning and say, you know, yep. this would be a great habit Sunday morning. Yeah. We're not going to get on the TV. We're not going to get on YouTube or whatever. We're going to get up, eat breakfast together. We might um, put, put on some worship music in the yeah. background. We're just going to enjoy ourselves as a family, get ready for church, go to church together go yeah. home, eat lunch. And then, you know, in the afternoon, do whatever you want, but at least like, you got to get your football, got to get your football, in. <laughs> but at least like you're having a time where you're breaking from that in, right. in your week. Yeah. Cause that's just, you're just applying self-control. Yeah. That's all there is to it. And I think, yeah. So we got to help our kids with that. And, um, and pastors, you know, we've got to, we've got to be living that out and, you know, we've got to be helping our, our church members do that. Right. So, mm-hmm. Good. So yeah, we hope that you are liking these uh, pastors' perspectives. We're gonna keep doing these. Uh, so if you like them, let us know. Uh, sprinkle comment, throughout all that stuff. Any yeah. com- if there's any topics that you want us to discuss, let yeah, us know. let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts and things like that. So, anyways, well, thanks for that's listening. it. We'll see you next, see you next time. time. those pizzas prepared mm-hmm. but they sell out really quick like you got to get it first thing in the morning you yeah. know they'll make up like 20 pizzas or something you know not many so and yeah. then they're gone yeah no that makes sense and then they gone they gone okay i did a bunch of work did you see yesterday no, i haven't looked at it Ugh. 
Why do I even work? Why do I even do I, things? I do a lot of other things on Wednesdays. Oh, please. <laughs> Wednesday. That's your easy day. What do you got going on on Wednesdays? Absolutely nothing. Anyway. <laughs> Order the pizza. Oh, my God. Come up with a crowd breaker. You're fine. And that's it. Done. <laughs> <laughs>